Alright, uh, let's do this one more time. I'm Brooklyn's one and only Spider-Man. My name is Miles Morales. I was bitten by a radioactive spider. I'm pretty sure you know the rest. You're listening to the number one podcast in education across the Spider-Verse, Steambox. Are those my Jordans? Hi, this is Roberto. You're back with another Steambox podcast today. As always, I've got my homie Keith here. Keith, say what's up. But I also have a whole group. We are talking about data, we're talking about equity, and we're talking about truth today. Specifically for this conversation, I want to talk about youth voices. I want to talk about the voices of the youth and how we can empower them more. All we're looking for are a few small goals. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with Keith, but then I'm going to ask you guys, what do you think is a good small goal? For people walking in now, uh, please, if you have something to contribute, come all the way up to the table when it's time. But I'd like to ask, uh, I've got a friend who just walked in the room who is doing a lot of work in Washington, D.C. or lives in Washington, D.C. Do I have that right? Yes. All right. He's in Washington, D.C. And I was asking him about the, the difference in uh, district size because it occurs to me that we're in a beautiful building right now. We're in PCTA. This is a technology building. A lot of our other students in Providence don't have access to this building, but the students who are fortunate enough to go here, but also the rest of the state, Keith's in Central Falls. And Keith's high school, does it need work? It definitely needs work. I wish that students like Keith had an opportunity to come into a school like this. One of my goals is to make Rhode Island, for many other reasons as well, to make Rhode Island one school uh, one school district. Now, some of you might think I'm crazy. That's okay. I'm not trying to make your goals, but what I'm saying is the school district of Miami is much larger than our entire state and also more successful, comparatively speaking, if we're looking at data. So why can't Rhode Island do it? And why can't Keith go to some of the have communities instead of some of the have not communities, instead of being confined to, to where he's born. So that's that's one of my goals. That's something that I think about a lot. Keith, I'm going to ask you to come close. What do you think about what works for you when it comes to student voice, and what do you want more of? Um, Definitely for students with problems in terms of, uh, like, conditions it is in school. So, like, I would say for... So I've met plenty of friends that have said that, oh, you know, like, the workload is, like, very overbearing, and it's hard for, like their mental health a lot and some kids have definitely lost sleep over trying to complete an assignment that was like definitely like you need like like a five page paragraph essay or something like that like as an example and like they've definitely been trying to work hard to like make that the best way they can and it all comes down to probably like a b minus or something and like that's one of the many things of like how in such a falls like that's what needs to be definitely heard like they really need to talk about how they feel mentally and try and bring it to superintendent or anybody in the school board. Keith, you mentioned conditions of the schools too. Do you feel like the conditions of the schools contribute to the mental health problem? Definitely. We have um, some of the slowest Chromebooks known to man. Uh, <laughs> Uh, as somebody that works in the tech department, it is bad. Now, I won't say, like, I won't, like, say that, oh, some of them are. Because we did recently get some new ones. But 
the problem is it's like how to honestly so restriction heavy because it's like kind of like that because you know there are some things that we can't access for our learning like our learning based like uh agendas or goals so like that really like has a, a part in it that and we don't have a lot of school bubblers i want to say like or water fountains however <laughs> i know our podcast is world uh world renowned and yeah Bubblers is going to confuse a lot of people. So, yes, he's talking about water, water fountain. So, yeah. <laughs> I know my school definitely says we call it bubblers. So, uh, but sorry uh, to our friend from Washington, uh, bubblers means water fountain. Oh, yeah. But um, it's more of like, I think we have three floors, and on the top floor, we have like one. The second floor, we have one that works. And then the bottom floor, we don't have any. So it's, like, very hard for when a student gets out of, like, a gym class or, like, a student that's, like, dehydrated kind of wants to get to a bubbler and then has to stop by the bubbler on the second floor if you're on the bottom floor. What sucks about that is that we only have, like, we had three minutes of transition time. Now we have only four minutes of transition time. But that still doesn't help because if you're trying to go and get a drink so you don't die of dehydration, then like you get swept. It, it's a term of like how, you know, we get like a what's what's the word? I want to say like a uh a, a, a like a bad thing. I, like, they found punishment. They found some ways to address it uh with this school too. Actually, our own uh Jessica Vega participated in something that she might speak on in a little bit, and Keith can probably share his opinion on that. But I wanna uh I want to emphasize two things that I heard from Keith. The conditions of schools need to improve. And what's wild is when I go into Central Falls High School, a school that they are completely like making a new school, uh, those conditions are so, that, that's luxury compared to some of the schools that I've seen in Providence. For example, and I'm sorry for PPSD folks in this room, um, I can't walk into Gilbert Stewart Middle School without becoming physically ill because I'm allergic to mold. I'm not the only person who's allergic to mold, but what does that tell you about the school? It tells you that there's a mold problem. I'm sorry for all the people at Gilbert Sue. I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus, but if that makes me physically ill and I had to reject the job working there before, how does that make our students who do not have that luxury feel when they go there every day? How does that make the teachers feel? Because I'm an a-hole with teachers when it comes to them calling out, but at Gilbert Stewart, I kind of understand. So uh, we're talking about conditions of schools, and maybe we're making some goals around conditions of schools. I want to make them realistic, so I want to try to figure out a way to make realistic goals around the conditions of schools as Keith is describing. And as we just heard about Gilbert Stewart, I want to hear about your experience as well. But I also heard another goal um, that surprised me, but it shouldn't because we started a mental health podcast called Joyful Rebellion, and I was really surprised to see... Uh, my big tough students sitting in a room crying about some of the trauma that they've experienced. Um, and that's why we bring in trauma counselors and mental health experts every week in that program. But Steambox is doing that, an outside program. Another goal that I heard, would you say, so how do, how do we address mental wellness in schools? Would, that, what, would a goal be addressing it within school? I would say that, but I don't know, some kids don't feel like the secrecy and privacy if they go to a school counselor talk about hey this is how i'm feeling because 
it's part of the school counselor's job to announce something that seems off in that conversation they had. So it's not really like a secrecy thing. So honestly, it, I feel like, I don't know, if they hire like an actual like specific therapist for students, then which I don't, I mean, our money kind of pool, our money pool is kind of low. Yeah. So I don't think that's probably going to happen. But right, we want to make it realistic. Yeah, if that like it would be definitely it definitely be nice. But some students definitely don't feel like it's safe and private to talk to the school counselors. I could tell you if Bia had money, and they said uh, we suggest that you do this for Bia's uh, principal at Alvarez High School. We suggest that you use this for. I actually watched this is a real example uh, for this mental wellness program that is working in your school. And then Bia says, "No, you know, I need a new smart board for the meeting room." And then Bia takes that. Takes takes the money that was literally bookmarked and then moves it to a smart board. So maybe the money is there sometimes. Oh, um, I hope you guys don't mind. I opened up with Keith. If we're talking about students' voices, I wanted to be able to hear from a student. Um, I'd also like to hear. So we heard a couple of goals. And again, uh, it's our job. I'm going to work with Kai later and, and Maria and, and the amazing folks who put this event together to try to make smart, relevant, measurable goals so that your outcome after this event will have a commitment from the Department of Education. So now I wanna know what kind of goals do you guys have around student voice in the classroom? Paige, my homie. Welcome Paige. Thanks Roberta. So I'm Paige Colossus Parks, Executive Director of Rhode Island Kids Count. Um, lots of goals I have for student voice, but one in particular would be for our education system to become flexible enough so that students have a voice in their classroom and in their school. And the way that school runs may change as student needs change, as students have ideas, um, and that there are adults in the building that are willing to take risks and to really run with students' ideas. Having the whole school building, the school structure, the schedule really reflecting and being student-centered and students having that ability to say, we want more time to check in with each other. We want more time to be with the therapist and then adults responding. And that means our schools have to be more flexible. We have to have flexible schedules. We got to give teachers and school leaders the autonomy to be able to do that. Um, but it starts with students knowing they can speak up, knowing that the people are going to listen to them and actually do something about it. Is there an ideal time? I know a lot of your work is data-centered. Is there an ideal time to start the school day? I'm going to ask you and Keith. So they say for um, younger kids, you know, earlier yeah. is better for younger kids. For high school students, later in the day is better. So we definitely have that backwards in many schools. Uh, and we hear that from students, too, that the, the, the schedule is totally off. And also for families that have, you know, younger kids, why are they going to school later when many parents have to be into work earlier? So there's a lot of things that we can change, including something as simple as when does school start? Now I say it's simple. I know there's many other factors, transportation, there's all these things, um, but it's just something that could be looked at if we, if we value. So Paige from Rhode Island Kids Count yeah. says that the data suggests earlier school days for younger students, later school days for the older students for anybody else who wants to jump in and has a thought that they want to share if you give me one of these i will definitely find a way to work you in keith i'm going to ask you how does that work for you what would an ideal school day and i know you don't represent all students right 
Uh, people ask me all the time, what do Latinos, I don't represent all Latinos. <laughs> you don't represent all students. What's the ideal school day? If it had to be the same length, what time should it start? Um, I will say, I wish there was a thing of like how, like, cause we have it so, eight's when school starts, but by like eight ten or something, like you're officially late. Um, I wish it would be bumped up a little bit more because I know students, I mean, I know for, like my friend, he lives on like the far part of Dexter Street and he's still in that circle of where you're able to walk to school and you don't need a bus, yep. which sucks because he's late. Like nine times, nine times out of 10, he's definitely late. And I feel bad for him because like now he has to like rush and stuff like that. And I feel as if like that small window of like when you're officially considered late should be widened a bit more. Now, for me, like, I think the school, like, in terms of, like, timing is fine. Lenience for morning tardiness. You didn't say all classes. You act right. But morning. It's just the morning part that really matters. Well, that and, like I said, the transitions. I feel like it should be extended by, like, a set of four minutes, which does like, it doesn't make a big difference at all. So I feel like it should probably be, like, four minutes and 30 seconds or four minutes and, or, or five minutes in general. Because that would really help out. Give me a number. Uh, morning time. You want school to start at what time for your school this year? You wish. Your wish list. Um, the later it starts, the later you get out. Give me a time. Oh, uh, I think the latest I've ever been in school was probably until like 4.30 because that's like school's active. Like I've been around a lot. So I'd probably say like 8.30 or 9. 8.30 or 9. Yeah. All right. A lot of schools are in that in that area. All right, anybody else for goals? Yes, please. Hi, and don't forget to introduce yourself. Okay, Denise Barge, Rhode Island Coalition of Black Women. Um, what about Saturdays? That's coming into play now. Would, would the students want to attend on a regular basis? You're asking Pete. Yeah. All right, so like that. So we're, you're in a pit right now. School on Saturdays, in addition to or in place of? So six days a week school. Yeah. Okay, um, I I want to place my bet as to really. You know. <laughs> so I'm not gonna say, I'm not gonna say, oh, that's a bad idea, because it's not, and it like, because I know some kids that definitely need more school time, like, because it like some kids like are having hard times with the assignments stuff like that. I will say, um, definitely not all kids are gonna show up, yeah, because it's a Saturday, it's your weekend, you want to. Because, like you want to chill out for a minute like i understand like that's your break throughout like all the tests and exams you have to do i i'm i won't say i will be opposed to it it depends if it's like going to be a regular school day to saturday so like if it's going to be 8 to two thirty, or if it's going to be like a shorter time yeah but maybe in a specific subject or maybe a special school yeah like a stem school or so would it be like a uh after school program type of thing? Or would it be like a main thing, but for students that actually need it? Like summer school. Would it Let be? me go down. Yeah, it would be in addition to what you were doing as an elective. Like, in my opinion, I feel like that's a good idea. That's definitely a good idea. I think that's a good thing. As it, as an option or as a mandate? Option, definitely. Mandate, I, kids are not going to go to that. Let me go to Paige. Paige's got, Paige's got data. Oh, I, have a, I have a question about that. Now, what if it was... Saturday school, but it didn't look like how school looks right now. Mm -hmm. What if school was fun and exciting and you got to see your friend and you had an adult that was going to be excited to see you? Would that make a difference? Um, I'm not going to lie to you. 
for administrators, and I'm not coming at you this way, but for administrators and teachers, your definition to fund for students. It's not. Already, I know so. Don't like school as like a fun thing. They hate it. They hate it there. And I feel like I like they only go because they're forced to go. But if there was an option of like like an actual option of like, oh, uh, you don't have to come. They won't come. Like, I will say, though, I think if he, if you want to go ahead and try that, it, you could try, but we're stubborn, more stubborn than we will say. And fun for, you, like, you guys compared to us ain't the same. Well, you're doing it Saturday right now. Yeah. And you're here now. I'm here forever. No. <laughs> I, I earned, but I earned his trust by saying uh, it's not my idea of what's fun. Every year, uh, every year when I go into some of your schools and some of the people, some of the people in this room, I work in their schools. There's multiple people from several schools and I work in their schools. Uh, for them, I have to have the responsibility of coming in with an idea, with a curriculum. So I come in with a curriculum and I'm like, I can't wait to do this this year. And I can tell you that this coming year, it's going to be all about uh, artificial intelligence because I don't know why I'm bothering teaching coding when I just watched somebody talk to a computer and say two sentences, and then it made the video game that I'm trying to show Keith all year how to have the skills to create. I do think my focus should then be through Steam, mental wellness, uh, critical thinking skills, because that's what you're gonna need to still talk to the computer. That's what you're gonna need to not have a nation so divided when doesn't matter if you're red or blue, when your social media feed looks like it does, and you see all these crazy people with crazy ideas, if only we taught critical thinking skills and focused on that a little bit, maybe that's one of our goals. Yeah, but I will say definitely, um, I feel as if people shouldn't rely on technology so much because like- The Steambox guy saying that. Yeah, yeah, and as somebody that does work in the tech department, like like we really shouldn't rely on, rely on it so much. Like I feel as if teachers are now more reliant on uh, computers to help them do easy things instead of the students and don't get me wrong students are on their phone 24 7 all the time it's like anytime they get like it's it's like an addictive drug like i will say that like it definitely is an addictive drug like i i'm a victim of that but i feel as if like we relied on way too much so what i have to do uh is i come in with a curriculum so that i'm responsible enough for the schools responsible enough for the students that i have an idea of what we're going to do and because some of these students, not Keith yet, uh, but because some of these students sit on my board, they can actually fire, right? Like they dictate what we're gonna do. I'm following their actual voice. When he says, I don't wanna do what you think is fun. Well, okay, what do you think is fun? And let me make a steam project out of it. Uh, and I wanna mention, I'm coming to you in just a second. I wanna mention, um, that's how we ended up in Japan because he loves animation. That's, you know, that group really wanted to go and learn animation in Japan. Twice now we've been to Studio Ghibli. This time we had a, a whole different plan. Uh, one thing that we noticed in Japan this year, we went during our April vacation. Do you remember the students walking? Uh, oh, the, oh, like the little kid that like, it's adorable. I, I, I really, I'm trying to be as culturally sensitive as possible, but they, they look like little adults. They had the briefcases, they had the suits. Yeah. Uh, and they were like seven years old. By the way, uh, they did not need adult guidance. They walked through their neighborhoods at six and seven years old with their little briefcase and they knew exactly where they were going. Yes. We would probably feel differently about sending our six and seven year old walking mm -hmm. to school. Um, 
But I want to point out that not only were they not on vacation, their school year was just starting that week. We collaborated with one of their schools and we have future collaborations with their schools. That's how we know this. Uh, their school year was just starting and it looks a lot different. They don't press through all this time and then you get through for the summer. They do. Uh, here's here's a quarter and then here's a couple of weeks. Um, and during those weeks, they have an opportunity to take a student who's not doing so well. And instead of summer school, they get to catch up during that time before uh, before it, it packs back up. I know this, I might, I hope I'm not mixing it up with uh, the way it, I've seen a couple of different models. And I, I there's things that are working and we're looking at things that are not working and we talk about doing something different, but then we keep doing the same thing. Uh, please introduce yourself. Sure, uh, my name is Weona Nelson Davies. I'm the executive director of the Economic Progress Institute. Oh, hi. Hi, um, and you said something that I think a lot of us are working on that you're, the youth you work with are your bosses and they're on your board. Yeah. So we're dreaming, right? And we're having goals. And I don't know the logistics and policies of students being on our school boards, having votes, you know, and maybe it's like tricky with the students being the boss of the principal or the teacher. But as you trust your youth, a lot of us talk about having impacted communities on our board because we understand the value of that. It will be great if our students actually have voting voices. It'll keep you honest, too. Right. So that will be a goal of mine, to actually have student representatives on our school boards that can vote on what is going to be happening in the school districts. So as we dream, I'll put that out there. I will like to add, that is definitely a good idea because somebody that uh, that doesn't show up to Steambox a lot, but try, she tries her best, uh, Naya. And always not, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's definitely like... I think she was a she, president. She comes to Steambox and she's a class president and she does like some kung fu and she's like, uh, and she has a job and all. Jungle Bowl trees. Amazing. Um, but she, like, if we had to talk about like if there's candidates or something like that to be on that school board to like basically chip in about how this thing or this like isn't working or is working, she definitely has my vote because from what I've seen, it's been like she definitely knows what she's doing like i think we had like who was it, the mayor or governor one time because she wanted to talk to them. or yeah. oh yeah, yeah it was well you the judge it was you judge. saw that we bring the commissioner in she wanted to talk to a judge we bring the judge yeah. in if, if whoever the students if the, the students were interested one of the students was interested in making movies so we got a director who made a movie that uh we we screened it for the students who hadn't seen it um generally we love his movie and then the students made him commit to hey you're making this movie about this video game that looks really cool can we be in it and he says, if you can come to Toronto, I said, guess who can find a bus? Guess who can take these students to Toronto? Uh, we had the last dragon, Bruce Leroy. Anyway, I'm sorry. But, yeah. <laughs> um, it's actually about it, though. That, I, I will say that she definitely has a vote towards it. Um, the stu We have amazing students who are red. I can also you tell too, you. You Keith, who have a vote on them. Yes. Oh, the other much behind you. Oh. And there's, there's someone behind you, and then there's... um. Yeah, please. Hi, my name's Jen Lima. I'm on the North Kingstown School Committee. And we actually have student representation on our school board. They don't have a voting voice, but they sit at the table with us and they're able to comment on everything that we're doing and they give a quarterly presentation. Um, I believe firmly that student voice is critical to what we're doing. Um, I would love it if they were able to have a vote. We're not quite there yet. Um, but I think having student voice um, We've had some great input from our student representatives, and um, they've kind of given us some guidance in areas where we've, you know, taken what they think into consideration. I think every district should consider it. 
I think. Oh, uh, yeah, please. My name is Bill Kara Hawkins. Um, I run a, a, a consulting company called Sound Perception Consulting. And I think an idea aligned with everybody, what everybody's saying is student advocacy, student advocacy groups at every school. And then the advocacy, advocacy groups that then uh, rep be representative of on the school boards. And so then you get the voice of all the students at every school and you get representatives from every grade level. And then they have scheduled meetings with the leadership of the school to discuss what's going on. And then from there, though they can represent their classmates when school board meetings come up. And then they might not have a vote, like uh, someone just said, but their voice could be heard and then they can have impact from that. Do you, do you all agree? Yes. Oh, I know I do. Because that I was talking about how hard it is to make smart goals. What he just mentioned is something that is almost already a smart goal. Now we just need to know like by when, right? Yeah. We need to know by when and how are we going to track this thing? That sounds easy enough. Paige, I'm going to come to you in a second. Shirley, right? Right. Hi, Shirley. Hi. So um, the student advocacy piece, yep. though, uh, for Providence, actually, when I grew up here, I sat on the school board. And and we also had a, um, like a student, there was a um, a student council that reported also for the, um, it was Yates, the youth advisory board to the commissioner. Um, so we just need to really go back to those things because through those boards, we're able to change it, change uh, the system from uh, to, to a magnet school system. We were looking, we actually stopped the school in the middle of my semester. I was a high school student and they took my teacher out of the class. And so um, it, it was, and I was getting ready to graduate. So I basically led the, we, I also was president of student government. So he led the walkout. Then we began to have, uh, that was placed on the board. You began to have, uh, how would you, we actually changed the system, the students from Old High changed the system to the Magnus School System. Uh, and so I did know firsthand that students should be able to have voice to. We've seen it, we've seen it firsthand. I want to say that one of, uh, one of the heroes in this room right now, Jessica Vega, in the time that she was working with Central Falls enacted, uh, Participatory budgeting. <laughs> students like Keith got to vote on the budgeting that was happening in the school. That's something that the students favor. I see, was it somebody Somebody over here? I'm going to go one, two, three. I'm going to try to go quick because I know we have about 10 minutes left. Just quickly talking about um, student votes. Um, so right now, um, there's the Council of Elementary and Secondary Education. They oversee the Rhode Island Board of Education. There is this uh, student that sits on that council. Um, that student is elected by their peers. So right now at every uh, school and every high school, they're able to send one student onto the student advisory committee, which is part run by Department of Education. That student advisory committee then elects a chairperson who sits on the council. That young person does not have a vote. On um, this past legislative session, Representative David Morales and Senator Valerie Lawson introduced legislation that would give that young person a vote on the council elementary secondary education. Um, that bill was backed by um, some of our youth organizations. Um, so the Alliance of Rhode Island Southeast Asians, Providence Student Union, Youth in Action, um, Young Voices, PLEA, and Rhode Island Kids Count all supported that bill. It did not pass this year, um, but we're hoping it'll be reintroduced next year to do exactly what this goal is, is to give the young people a vote on our highest policy education um, system in our state. 
Um, so we hope that folks will come out and support that next year. For our audience at home, if you're wondering if Paige is referring to Renegade Wrestling Alliance champion David Morales. <laughs> yes, she actually is. Um, I had two over here. I'm sorry. Hi. Can you Hi, introduce yourself? Uh, Lady Sarah Harmon. I'm an independent consultant and a, a grandmother because my children are all adults now, but I do have grandchildren in the school system, and I'm a former human relations specialist in the Providence school system. Um, that must have been fun. <laughs> anyway, not only do I believe that the student should be represented on the board, but I believe they should have a vote, and not just one vote, but since this student is representing a multitude of students, they should have three votes. You know, because what if what they're saying, all the adults disagree, but at least if they have more than just one vote, there's a there's an opportunity for what the students really want. Since our goal is the the best interest of the students, um, I, I would think that the student should definitely have a vote. What was your name again? Lady Sarah. Lady Sarah. Mm. Hi. Hi. Uh, thank you for that. Um, it it makes me think of what about like how dare us because we're talking about the importance of student voice. We're talking about the importance of student voice, but what about when we think we know better for them? That's why they should have a vote. I That's agree. why they should have a vote. And and I'm also I'm a member of the uh, Rhode Island Coalition of Black Women. Thank you, thank you. I there's another area that the students have expressed. The students in Providence have expressed their opinion on, which is for a whole other podcast topic separate from the students in Central Falls. They have a totally different opinion. But the students in Providence, the older students, the high school students in Providence, overwhelmingly agree, get the police out of our schools. The police are here not to protect us, but to protect school, you know, to enforce uh, school policy. Um, and the students want police out of the schools. We know that. The data is there. We've asked students. We've polled students. We've seen it. But then we think we know better. Uh, again, uh, Nathan Bia, Alvarez High School, he's a state rep. And one of his initiatives as a state representative is to make sure there's more funding for uh, officers in schools. So I just want to make sure that we consider it because we don't want to be hypocrites. We don't want to have this grandiose conversation about protecting student voice. And then when we really hear them go, mm, I like police in schools. I like the... I like the harassment. Uh, Nicole, I'm coming to you in just a second. Hi, can you please introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Sharetta Kuna. I'm with um, New England Base Camp. This is for you, Keith, correct? Yes. Um, my question kind of centers around like uh, what you talked about, like the different community issues that you had in your school. Um, I guess like, do you personally have any advocates like in your school but building that you can rely on? Um, and then, I think I have another question that's kind of just centered around equity, because um, I know we were talking about um, board votes and stuff, and I would love students to have a vote. But I guess, like, how do we ensure the students that don't always go to the youth in action and the steam boxes, like, because, you know, Providence born and bred, like, I was one of those students as well. But how do we ensure, like, those students that aren't really comfortable sharing their voice also have a seat on the table as well? Um, what I've learned... Uh, lately from these past few years is that uh, ever since COVID hit, we relied a lot more on tech and stuff like that. So like we would 
send emails or texts. I feel as if that could be a good factor because we are way more comfortable sending a text or sending an email or something like that than going up to a person like in person face to face saying oh uh how about this could change so that because like it's like a on and off thing like it's different so like if i sent you a text saying hey this thing should change because this thing is bad instead of me going up to your person and be like hey you know maybe you know this thing right here could change like it's just a suggestion so it'd be like it'd be like that so i feel as if texting would be way more easier to get a message through for stu younger students that like can't that are having difficult times getting their like uh voices out in public and you know like have a hard time being courageous and stay, like standing up to a person and be like hey you know instead of like i don't want to say demanding but i feel as if like we have like this generation we have a harder time of doing things like that and yeah that's what i was saying quick shout out uh elliot from youth in action is amazing peter chung is amazing Ramona and the work that she's doing gathering parents is amazing. I have, when you ask about advocates in schools, I have seen, uh, I, when I, when I was growing up, I watched Stand By Me and I, that's where I learned, not Stand By Me, uh, Stand and Deliver. That's where I learned about this teacher, Jaime Escalante. Uh, Jaime Escalante, amazing teacher, East LA, uh, making the impossible happen in his classroom. And I've seen the closest that there is to Jaime Escalante in his school. At uh, Central Falls High School, it's uh, David Upegi. David Upegi is effing amazing. The greatest teacher ever. He is, it, like, I get chills thinking about the work that this dude is doing in the classroom. He is not alone. There's also uh, Malika. Uh, there's also um, Osha Williams. Here's, here's why I'm shouting out Osha. Osha is so great. And some of us have seen her in the classroom. She's an amazing, amazing teacher. We got to be careful what we wish for when we talk about promoting student voice or bringing students up to, um, to school board level and stuff like that. In the next group, you're going to have an opportunity to talk about retaining teachers of color. The reason that I'm throwing out the caution, caution flag is because I've seen students speak out. When Commissioner uh, Infante talked about the student who said the teacher called her an N-word, there were more repercussions for that student than there were for the teacher. When Osha Williams dared to be a great teacher, that was it. When she dared to be a dope teacher defiantly at Alvarez High School in the face of a, a racist administration, when she dared to be a great teacher, she got chased right out of the school. She's teaching in Brooklyn now, I believe. Last I heard from OSHA. OSHA is amazing. I want to caution us as we talk about retaining and engaging teachers of color and promoting students to all of these opportunities. It's our responsibility to make sure that we're giving them a healthy space instead of a toxic space that PPSD just currently is. I'm sorry. I, I, know, uh, I know Angelica wanted to talk about a lot of the great things that they're doing, and I actually do believe but there are a lot of toxic spaces and I just want to be really careful because, okay, next year we got all these great new teachers of color and we made a deal that they're going to be in there. Well, now what? Now we sent them into the same racist, you know, uh, and if, even if you have a great administration, the structure itself is racist. I'm sorry, Nicole, 
Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap up with you before we oh. before I kick it back to Jessica. Oh no pressure. Okay. <laughs> Hello everyone. My name is Nicole Tingle. Um, I serve as first vice president of the NACP uh, Providence branch, and I am also a proud member of the Rhode Island Coalition of Black Women. Um, just going back to the conversation on SROs, the NACP is for the removal of SROs uh, on a national level, and we also talked about um, the importance of having um, presence of advocates working with the youth in schools. So we just recently reactivated our youth in college division, and we wanted to make sure that the youth are centered to that. So I um, just wanted to raise that that's our position, and we're looking forward to working with the students and also local youth organizations because we want to make sure that we're bringing the fire and the heat from the national office um, and also from our two million um, members. Um, there's a long legacy. Youth in College was actually um, launched in NAACP in 1935, and then the adult units were launched in 1909. So we can really leverage that power, excuse me, to really um, put some more pressure to get Providence schools where they need to be, but it's going to be the students that already have the tools like you, Keith, to be able to get us there. Um, so just wanted to raise that in. You lived up to the pressure, thank you so much. <laughs> uh, Nicole was uh, a big part of organizing this event along with Maria uh, and uh, Kai and so many people back there. Um, I've heard amazing things. One of, one of them, when Keith spoke about wellness in schools, it became important to me during our wellness podcast that if students are traumatized, even just going to school, just going to the school, I no longer care about their history class. I no longer care about their geometry. I remember the teacher telling me I'll never have a calculator in my pocket, right? Like, guess what we do, right? Like, I'm not worried about that bullshit right now. Sorry, 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 sorry. What I'm worried about, I'm worried about making sure that Keith is okay. I want Keith to be okay. That's where we are right now. We're not where we were when we were kids. That's what I heard. That was the first thing that I heard, and I heard a number of other great ideas. Jessica, what did you hear? So before we wrap up, uh, the Lisa Lund had a couple of things to wear. Oh. I'm going to bring the mic. I'm going to bring this to you. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. So here's what we're going to do. I'm wrapping up right now, I promise. Um, I know everybody has a lot of other, this, other stuff on this agenda. What I want to say to you is this is not that summit. With my, my involvement, there was so much work done by so many other people. But what was really important to me is that I didn't just leave this conversation and be like, all right, peace. What happens now is the things that we heard, the things that are written up there, your goals become goals that are smart, measurable, trackable, and weak and equitable, thank you, that we can actually bring to the people who you saw here today that committed to this event, RIDE, PPSD. We can bring it to them and we can say, here's three. Can we, can we have three things? With the community spoke, the community said, we want these three things. I'm gonna fight for you. This group is gonna fight for you. Please use your next session with teachers of color, which I just talked about being critically important to make sure you guys have some great goals there too. I really appreciate everybody. Uh, this has been another Steambox podcast. Can my whole group please say peace out to the world? Peace out. Peace out.